Hi, my name is JL Hancock, and I'm an author and consultant and the former head of innovation at the headquarters of the US SEAL teams. I'm a subject matter expert in autonomous robotics and telecommunications. You can find out more about me on my website at jlhancock.com, where you can also sign up for my newsletter or purchase my most recent techno thriller, The Hawk Enigma. Today, I'm going to be talking about the difference between having something that is open, like open AI, versus doing that approach with from a more traditional development standpoint, like the way that Google developed BARD. And I'm going to discuss these two things specifically in the realm of generative artificial intelligence, like what is gathering so much attention nowadays. So back in 2019, I attended a conference hosted in Palo Alto, California, near Stanford, uh, called the Scaled Machine Learning Conference. And Scaled ML uh, basically brought together the best in breed of, of the general AI communities, specifically in machine learning, to discuss what they're developing. NVIDIA was there and Intel was there, Facebook, but also OpenAI came up and presented. At the time, I was my job in the military was to go out and find disruptive and new technologies and try to determine ways in which they could potentially be employed by the military for different applications. We were looking at machine learning for not just robotics, but also for data processing and analytics, computer vision, et cetera. And so we were there listening to the different things in industry to see if anything sparked our interest. And granted, this was 2019, so a while ago, but but OpenAI came up and spoke in front of everybody and discussed what it is that they were accomplishing. This was well before ChatGPT3 or GPT3, but they had, were extremely advanced in what they were accomplishing. They had already, I, I believe at the time, they had the uh, system that could defeat a human playing the game Go, as well as they had integrated a bunch of other technologies inside of other games that were beating humans. And so people were starting to be very interested in what they were accomplishing. And at the conference, I remember people specifically going up and asking the speaker if they had passed the Turing test and how far along they were in their development. And I remember turning to my colleague who was sitting next to me at the event and I said, do you think we should go up and talk to this company and see what, what potential collaboration may there be there between us? And he said to me, you got to keep in mind that they are open AI and they are open. They're just as likely to share with you as they are to anyone else, anywhere in the world, anywhere, any country, including. And at that moment we realized that it's probably a bad idea for us to go talk to them. Flash forward to the release of GPT-3 last year and then subsequently the, the capabilities of GPT-4. And you see an interesting approach to the way that they have put that information and that capability out for the masses to iterate on. Google, on the other hand, has been developing very, very similar technology, but they've been rather tight-lipped about it. When they released Google Bard, it didn't come out to massive fanfare and people weren't as excited about it. In a recent podcast, the CEO of Google even said that it's not going to have the functionality and capabilities that you're expecting because they are tailoring it and focusing the application of this type of machine learning towards specific environments. In their case, supporting emails, writing documents, using it for research, but also recognizing the limitations of that capability. OpenAI's approach, which is just to say, give everyone access and let them figure out and identify ways that they can use it, is immediately identifying all the contingency problems that they have. They might have put in governors and limitations to keep people from researching things like weapons or, or topics that are 
probably some more limited in what they would want them to do. But people are using prompt engineering and different types of wording to jailbreak the system and have GPT give them solutions to things that they shouldn't have access to, which is a normal part of the process. But when you create something that is open the way that they have it set up, it's significantly more susceptible to that kind of exploitation. Whereas Google's approach is significantly more conservative. Now, the interesting thing about that, and the reason why I think this is of importance to everyone, is recently the CEO of, of OpenAI, Sam Altman, went and spoke in front of Congress. And he even said that there needs to be certain kinds of regulations and, and, and oversight placed in viewing the way that AI is disseminated to the masses. And when I listened to this, I found it a bit ironic because of the fact that OpenAI's whole purpose is to making something proliferate and available to the masses. However, they created a capability that they don't truly understand. And if you take 45, 55 petabytes of information into a large language model and put it and, and then put it back out to everybody, you don't understand all the potential limitations. And it, it creates a result that people refer to as hallucinations. Now that's funny thing is that term is starting to get played around with and some people would rather different terms are used However, that's effectively what the system is doing. It's not outputting a result that makes any real sense in some cases, and it has the potential for people to get in trouble. And recent example is a lawyer trying to create a brief uh, and a rebuttal for a particular argument in court, used GPT to create a result, and it referenced court cases that didn't exist. And that lawyer took it and actually pushed it forward to the judge. And this is the kind of thing that actually makes not just the gpt not so much dangerous but there need people need to recognize the limitations of it and understand that it just it's not a, a replacement for certain capabilities it's a tool for enhancement but that works best in isolated application and so the two approaches between google bard and gpt and gpt over at OpenAI are so different in the sense that they can have dramatic impacts in the way that not just the way that ai is employed but the way that people misuse it and also misunderstand it and so those two approaches are things that we really should be keeping an eye on and be paying attention to because they can have large ramifications for the ways that we are interacting with, not just how we interact with it, but how, how it impacts our society and how it impacts the information dissemination. And the regulation really should take place first within how the companies are developing this technology and what their motivation is and understanding that vision. And when they finally put it out to, to, to the public, they need to have a very strong understanding of those limitations. And maybe that's where Sam Altman was going when he discussed that. Uh, but the, the reality of the situation is when you make something too open, you are not recognizing the potential ramifications of your decisions. And those are the things that we as the public should be paying closer attention to, learning more about and be willing to say, okay, well, there's more research needs to be done in order to understand the limit, the ways in which they should employ these more effectively to keep people safe, but also to help us use it as a tool to enhance and and strengthen whatever it is we're trying to do and make us better, as opposed to creating a crutch by which we are unable to learn or do things that normally we would have been doing otherwise. Um, once again, my name is JL Hancock, and I'm an author and consultant and the former head of innovation at the headquarters of the US SEAL teams. Uh, you can find out more about me at my website at jlhancock.com, and you can also pick up a copy of my book, The Hawk Enigma. Thank you.